Sarah Jama sends a cease and desist letter to Doug Ford. Fruit and vegetable producers argue that a plastics ban will hurt customers' wallets because they plan to force the customer to pay for it. A lack of competition in Canada is driving up prices, and Israel's Knesset has suspended a member for being publicly critical of Israel. Good morning. It's Friday, October 20th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. We'll start this morning with news from Queen's Park in Toronto. This comes from Colin DeMello and Isaac Callan at Global News. Sarah Jama, who is an Ontario NDP member, has sent Doug Ford a cease and desist letter. Last week, Sarah issued a very reasonable statement on Palestine. And after her party leader, Merritt Stiles, threw her under the bus, Doug Ford jumped into the fray and tweeted a message that said this, quote, Sarah Jama has a long and well-documented history of anti-Semitism. Merritt Stiles and the Ontario NDP have proven time and time again that they tolerate these hateful views and actions by keeping Ms. Jama in their caucus. Ms. Stiles has yet to hold Ms. Jama accountable for publicly supporting the rape and murder of innocent Jewish people. Unquote. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, this seems like a rookie statement, like a rookie got excited and fired off a message without really thinking about it. You cannot claim that someone supports the rape and murder of innocent Jewish people, especially when that's in a different universe from what Jama actually wrote. Probably thanks to how rookie and blatant this message was, Jama has served Doug Ford with a cease and desist letter. Jemma has demanded that Ford publicly apologize for his comments. At the same time, Ford has moved a motion to censure Jemma. That would mean that she can't participate in committees or speak in the legislature. Now, this in particular is a stunning attack on democracy. Jemma was duly elected by the people of Hamilton Center and has never hid her support for Palestinian people. And again, her statement did not go beyond calling for an end to the occupation of Palestine, a completely reasonable and correct thing to believe. Stiles still made her apologize for it, which JAMA did, and the NDP opposes the censure motion. But my God, imagine the premier of any province can move to remove the legislative powers of an opponent because he disagrees with their politics. This is really dangerous stuff. Anyway, also today, the Ontario government served a motion to condemn Hamas, okay, and defend Israel's so-called right to defend itself, which, considering that these days means supporting what Israel is doing to Gaza. In the last six days, Israel has dropped 6,000 bombs on Gaza. And if you remember yesterday's daily news, I mentioned that the military junta in Myanmar dropped 1,000 bombs in 2.5 years. Well, there's one comparison, a thousand bombs in 2.5 years versus 6,000 bombs in six days on an area the size of Montreal where people cannot leave. Here's another comparison. During the entire war in Libya, NATO said that it dropped 7,600 bombs total. And over one year in Afghanistan, the U.S. dropped just over 7,400 bombs. And these places, they are not as densely populated as Gaza. So... 
Anyway, the Ontario PCs and the Liberals formally approved these actions, just formally approved their support for this violence, and the Ontario NDP, well, they abstained. They didn't uh, vote either way. Who needs them to do anything real anyway? Next to the plastic wars, fruit and vegetable producers are saying that an impending ban on single-use plastics is problematic and unrealistic. The report comes from Kevin Gallagher at CTV, and he's saying that the plastic industry thinks that plastic wrap is critical to preserving certain foods and vegetables. They are not ready for the shift to reduce packaging by 75 percent by 2026. The plan is trying to reduce Canada's plastic waste by 4.4 million tons each year. The article quotes Tilly Stewart, who is the director of Citrus for Star Produce in Calgary. It's kind of a funny person to start with because, of course, of all the produce that I can think of, citrus seems like the easiest kind to sell without packaging. Like, I'm not sure I've ever bought an orange or a lemon that was wrapped in plastic. Anyway, she insists that fresh-cut fruit will be impacted by this, which, yes, that does make sense. Fresh-cut fruit will be greatly impacted by this. What the article doesn't say is what percentage of fresh-cut fruit is sold as a percentage of overall total fruit and vegetables that are sold. When you go to their website, you see that Star Group most prominently promotes its hothouse tomatoes. But when you look a little bit further at the site, you see they have a whole wing dedicated to, quote, innovative diced vegetables, which includes a very nice looking picture of sliced peppers. So that probably explains their primary concern. They're getting into the diced fruit industry and obviously they need plastics or something to contain these things to sell them. Another example is that a wrapped cucumber lasts 15 days, says the Canadian Produce Marketing Association president, Ron Lemaire, but unwrapped, it lasts only two, which isn't exactly true. Thanks to the regular experiments I run in my own fridge with wrapped and unwrapped cukes, but sure, plastic might let me eat one a day or two later. It still does turn into green slop, though, before I eat it, even in the plastic. So I don't know. Karen Worsig from Environmental Defense is also equally skeptical by this comment. She says there's no evidence that single-use plastics reduce food waste. And what should be obvious to everyone, though it is not stated, food waste is better for the planet than plastic waste. The Canadian Produce Marketing Association says that they expect to, quote, pass on a 30% additional cost to the consumer, unquote, because, uh, yes, reducing their profits is an impossible proposition. The other piece here is that more than two-thirds of all produce in Canada is imported. And so that actually is the bigger issue, that it might be hard to force international suppliers to reduce their plastic use. It isn't that it's impossible to reduce single-use plastics, it's that we actually don't really have control over our food chain, and in produce, most of the food chain is controlled by outside of Canada. That is an issue, that is a problem, and of course, when we are subject to international corporations, when we're trying to drive domestic policy, it becomes difficult to implement the things that we want to implement as Canadians. Worsig concedes that there is some fruit where packaging is necessary, like berries, which also, like, I don't know, if I get berries locally, like, it's never sold in plastic. Everything here is sold in cardboard. 
Again, it's the international shipments that seem to be plasticked up. But sure, of course, there will still be a need for plastics. There is still a need to keep things in something. That is true. And the article doesn't actually go through any ways around any of this stuff. Just that the bioplastics industry uh, is greenwashed. It doesn't go on further than just saying that. And that the industry is concerned about the cost. While I think we could talk about this in a million different ways, like accessibility or limiting the worst polluters to leave room for some pollution that makes lives easier, or what are the biodegradable plastics, it assumes that this is just bad for business and therefore maybe we should think it's bad for us too. Next, to another grocery story, though perhaps larger than just grocery, this one's from Nojoud Al-Malis with the Canadian Press. The Competition Bureau plus research from professors and stats can data has found that from 2000 to 2020, profits and markups have pushed prices in Canada higher, and it's partly due to a lack of competition in the market. Larger firms became less efficient from 2001 to 2018, and there's no relationship between the concentration of ownership of corporations and efficiencies, which is interesting because that's always the argument. You know, we have a big merger and we'll make things more efficient. Because companies are so big, smaller businesses are struggling to get into various markets. From 2002 to 2018, the average markup across industries rose by 6.7%, but in industries with higher markups, that average increase was 12.5%. And then this, quote, there was a similar finding when it comes to profits, which rose more in higher profit industries between 2000 and 2020, unquote. Al Malis doesn't write about profits any further in the article. The piece doesn't actually name any industries, nor explain why they didn't name any industries. So I tried to find the report itself and see what it says. Instead, I found this explanation from a Bloomberg article about this. Quote, for the study, the Competition Bureau used data from Statistics Canada to track all firms that file taxes domestically, but it did not identify any specific industries or firms citing confidentiality, unquote, which is pretty incredible since these markups and profiteering are basically theft. But hey, you got to protect the confidentiality of the criminals in this country, right? And finally, to Israel, where the Knesset Ethics Committee has suspended Ofer Kassif for 45 days and dock him pay for two weeks due to, quote, his statements against the state of Israel, reports Israel National News. Ah, so it's not just happening at Queen's Park. Kassif said that Israel wanted the violence it had experienced from Hamas to use it as a cover to then attack Gaza. He also said that Israel's response to Gaza is the implementation of, quote unquote, a fascist plan of finance minister Bezel Smotrich. Kassif is the only Jewish member of the Hadash Ta'al party, which is predominantly an Arab grouping. The committee said it had, quote, zero tolerance for statements of this type. The Knesset Ethics Committee received more than 400 complaints about Kassif's comments. Now, he's been the target of similar attacks before. He was almost indicted over a situation where he hit a police officer in the head at a protest near Hebron. And I should say, I don't know if this news source is more right wing or more centrist. So, you know, take take the descriptions with a bit of a grain of salt. But maybe he smoked a cop in the head. I don't know. And he was temporarily suspended for calling another member of the Knesset, Almond Cohen, quote, a stinking Nazi, zero, stupid and bloodthirsty, unquote. (laughs) 
He also shared a Facebook post years ago calling Ayelet Shaked, quote, neo-Nazi scum. Shaked got in trouble a few years ago, too, because she said that all Palestinians should be killed. So, you know, I don't know. Kasif, honestly, seems pretty cool. Earlier this week, Kasif was on Democracy Now! And I want to end today's daily news and the week of news with this quote from him. It's long. So listen. This is, of course, right after the attack. He was in Mexico City for an international conference on peace in Palestine when it happened. And so he's talking to Democracy Now!'s Amy Goodman saying this. I got a WhatsApp message from a very good friend of mine who was hiding with her husband in the kibbutz. And she told me she was very afraid she could hear the Hamas fighters outside. Unfortunately, those were probably the last words she ever wrote because she was murdered with her husband just after she sent me that message. A very good friend of mine who is also against the occupation, a voter with our party. What I'm trying to say is that innocent people, innocent civilians on both sides, Israelis and Palestinians, pay the price of the arrogant, criminal, ongoing occupation that Israel refuses to end. And I want to say something very, very clear and very, very blunt. Nothing, absolutely nothing, can justify or legitimize the carnage that Hamas carried out in the towns and kibbutzim and in the villages in the southern of Israel. Nothing can justify it. It is appalling. And even the occupation crimes, the crimes that Israel is guilty of, crimes of occupation, apartheid, ethnic cleansing, and the Nakba, these either cannot justify such carnage. At the same time, nothing and absolutely nothing can justify the massacre that the Israelis carries out now in Gaza, not even the crimes of Hamas. And then he concludes with this. The liberation of the Palestinian people is a just cause. It will also liberate the Israelis from the occupation, because although the plan, of course, the Palestinians are the victims primarily, but the Israelis are victims of the occupation as well, as we just saw two days ago. So we must push and put the pressure on the government to end it. It's up to the international community. It's up to us to act together against all violence in Gaza, in West Bank and in Israel. Those are your headlines for Friday, October 20th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you have a good weekend. Find a Palestinian rally or two to attend. I will be at one and I'll talk to you on the other side.